In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Guys, we honor you today because you are those guys out there grinding it out while living in the stress bubble of life. Males have treated anonymous, faceless bleachers, but you've jumped into the arena and into the fray of manhood. And guys, we sincerely thank you for being a man, for standing up to the high calling of manhood. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the MCP, a.k.a. the Man Card Podcast. Guys, we're just pumped that you're here, that you're listening to our uh, uh, podcast today and that you are ready to be called into the arena, called out of every obstacle, preventing you from becoming your best version and to be being called up to your fullest potential in Christ and the higher levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos and I'm here with a DZ, DZ, DZ Jazzy, wow. <laughs> Dr. Pat George on the Mix Master soundboard. How you doing, Doc? I am good today. I am mixing. You are mixing and I'm matching. Mixing and matching. Are today. your socks different colors or no? No, we got same kind of socks, same shoes. See, mixing for my background means I just flip the underwear around so the brown yeah. stains in the front. So yeah, so yeah. Just yeah. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh how us Portuguese yeah. do it, right oh there, my baby. Gosh. I can't believe you did that. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling frisky. I've I got the, my caffeine flowing. I've got that. I got visual. the bear on the other the side bear. here. The bears I am us. ready to wrestle the bear. So anyway, I've got uh, on my left side, I have the jawbone <laughs> and the backbone. Our producer, good buddy Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm okay, good. so I'm looking forward to so some now, Hawaiian so t- food. So some lion food, Hawaiian food. Oh yeah. yeah. So well, in the middle of this podcast, I in. might be leaving to go pick up my food. My wife's bringing me some be jelly. That's oh, right, baby. So. You need some money. I do. I think it's twelve bucks. Yeah, that's stuff Cough that nobody up, cares about because right. we're on a podcast. Yeah. So stop it. <laughs> Gosh, I swear you guys act like people care about your lunch uh. today. 
Somebody's they go like and a, buy food. I go kill it. I'm eating mahi mahi killed fresh from Hawaii. He's so having who, he's having leaves and nuts. Who's a real man? So hey, uh, man word. You got a man word today? I, I, I guess I, I guessed the last man word, and I will guess today because okay. you. Uh-huh. Like when you watch Longmire episodes, you know Longmire. Yeah, they, I was they, in Longmire. You know, you know who the, yeah. the the killer is within the first five minutes. They give you a clue. You gave me a clue, and I wrote the word down. You really in Longmire I, know who the killer is? The yeah, first five minutes. Yeah, that's how they set it up. It's the first five minutes that, at the five minute mark. That person is the killer. So really, yes. Dang, so I'm glad I here didn't is know the that. word today. This is the word. It's right there. I can see the. It's screen. right there. The word for the day is. You can see that. You cannot see that. <laughs> okay. The word is wrestle. Oh. Am I right? It's wrestle. I was going to go with the word bear. Don't, no, what were you going like, to go? Oh, hold on. Don't tell me what you were going to go with. Tell me what you went with. All right. I'm going to go with wrestle. Ah, oh, two, man, for two. two for two. Two for two. Okay. Wow. So now why is that a man word for you? For me? Oh, I just think about the times wrestling with my brother and uh, stuff. So, yeah, that's it. So no, so that's <laughs> no. It's that's like weak. a man has to wrestle with things in life. You know, like tough things come your way, and you got to wrestle with them. You got to grab a hold of them, and you got to squeeze the life out of them. Wrestle them in a submission, and then once it's going, then you can let it go a little bit. <sighs> you know, that's what I would grab my brother. Man, he could punch me like fifty times by the time I try to swing one. But if I got a hold of him, oh, he was game over. I would tie him in a knot. And squeeze him till he'd stop moving and twitching. <laughs> then I'd let him go, and as soon as I'd let him go, I'd jump up and I'd run and lock myself in the bathroom or something. <laughs> so I don't know what that has to do with the man word. <laughs> I don't either. I think he's just totally went rogue on us and random. <laughs> he's but I will. He's I, you did start something. off really good, and you digressed rapidly. Thank you. I'm gonna have so, a drink. But of my men, coffee. men wrestle with stuff. Men are as the leaders of their homes. Men, as the leaders of their communities, you've got to wrestle that thing down. You've got to think, okay, how can I make my marriage the best marriage out there? How can I love my wife better than any other man on this planet? How can I be the best father to my children? There's a wrestling that happens, and a lot of times that wrestling is I've got to wrestle myself. You know, I've got to I've got to get myself out of the picture. I've got to wrestle my selfish needs and my selfish desires, and I've got to be selfless and sacrificial, uh, and I've got to come to that conclusion. I mean, look at Jacob in the Bible. He wrestled with God. Well, what was he wrestling over? His own fear and his own selfishness. So we as men were constantly wrestling things to the ground. Last night, I was, we were joking earlier, I had to drive up to Portland Airport, uh, PDX, pick up my wife at 12 o'clock midnight. And it was really, I, I wanted to stay at home and sleep, but it's like you have to wrestle with that and go, okay, she's more important than that sleep. And so we wrestled well, And you wanted things. a body next to you in bed, too. Yeah, well, that's the other reason. So it was a little selfish. Yeah. So that's what I said, all that with wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, yeah. Yep. Wow. That was good. Oh, my gosh. So, hey, before we get into this, this uh I, I'm, I'm really, I'm still fired up, man, about our Men in the Arena Facebook page, our closed group for men. We're right there, right at the 9,000 mark after 9,000 men only after eight months. That's just amazing. That's over 1,000 men a month getting in the arena, wrestling with manhood issues, 
fatherhood issues, wrestling with how do I raise my kid issues, how do I love my wife better issues. And then also I'm really pumped about the my book release and our book release party we had on June 24th, uh, the man card five characteristics separating the men from boys guys you need to go pick up a copy of this book i've written this book for guys who generally don't read books so get a copy they're only 10 bucks uh it's 160 pages long uh, tons tons packed in there so make sure you go pick up that book you can get that on amazon our app or our uh, gear store on the website so hey i'm excited about today i met our guest at a men's event in springfield illinois really liked him and uh, he's doing some cool stuff. And so I want to talk to you today about Eric the Bear St. Pierre. Actually, there's no the. I just put that in there. Eric Bear St. Pierre. He's 40 years old. He lives in Homer, Illinois with his wife, Janie. They've been married 10 years. He is the state director with Cross Trail Outfitters. He's been doing that for eight years. His accomplishments in life. Now, this guy, we're going to have fun today. I have a feeling this is going to be a really fun podcast. See, he's an Eagle Scout which goes along with his, his uh, job as state director for Cross Trail Outfitters. And he was a professional athlete for 20 years and held multiple titles. Now, this, this professional athlete, he was a wrestler. Uh, he held the NWA Heritage State Champion. He was the NWA Illinois State Champion, two-time 0-1 U.S. Heavyweight Champion. And uh, when we went and Googled him, because I mean, whenever you hear the word wrestle, wrestle you're like, what is that? What is that? Right? It's a cage And fire. so he showed up, and he's wearing a camo singlet with camo muck boots, throwing a guy all around the place. And another part, you had a, your champ, heavyweight championship belt, and you're wearing some kind of fur costume. Yeah. So uh, I was really impressed with how you're throwing this 270-pound guy around. That was pretty impressive. I have questions about that because uh, I've always been so intrigued. Uh, and so anyway, uh, as far as uh, uh, as far as his passion and his mission in life, he's all about guiding the next generation to Christ through the outdoors by building men, preserving our heritage, and sharing our faith. So, uh, hey, Eric, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, do you go by the bear? Like, you're in Illinois. Do you go by the bears, or do you go by just bear? Just bear. Just bear. Okay, okay. So I, I, I just I, I figured the bear I threw you off because I didn't uh I, you didn't have the the in there. So hey, we're <laughs> gonna start off this morning, man. We are gonna throw you to the bears. We're gonna throw you into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? Sure, yes. Okay, so what I'm gonna do, man, I I, I picked this round because to me the would you rather round is fun. And uh, you're a you're a fun guy. Had a great time talking to you. Uh, any guy that's going to put on a camo singlet and get into the arena, that guy is fun. So this is a would you rather round. And uh, there's some serious questions on here, and there's some fun questions. So the first one is, would you rather talk your way out of any situation or fight your way out? That's a hard question because when I was younger, I definitely would have fought my way out. But as I'm getting older, the talking my way out seems to be a better solution. Yeah, it doesn't hurt as much either, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you, you realize that most fights can be avoided with words if you if you are okay with that. So. Yeah. Super, super. Okay, so next one is, would you rather be invisible or have the ability to see through anything? Probably see through see through why is that um just because you can when hunting <laughs> Ooh, no that's really good i never thought of that 
Invisible is nice, but the problem with being invisible while you're hunting is they can still smell you. Yeah, and hear you. But yeah, can they? but if you can see through anything, that's good. I got to think that through a little bit more. So, hey, would you rather live forever but have all of the ones that you love die or live a year with the people that you love? Live forever. Yeah, because I guess you could mourn the ones you love and marry a whole other woman and start over again. Right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you're like, man, I could do this thing over a hundred yeah, times. Yeah. So anyway. So okay. easy okay. and better fun. And better. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, hey, would you rather die for your country or live for a cause? Live for a cause. Gosh, that's really good, huh? That's a tough question. You jumped on that quick. How'd you come up with such a fast answer? Um. I think it's because now I'm living for a cause where when, again, when I was younger, I always romanticized the idea of dying for others. But when you're dead, you're finished. There's no legacy. <laughs> no, that's really good because it really is not difficult to die. I mean, right. let me, let me qualify that. You, you take a bullet. It's an event that happens. You die, but to Correct. live for something that's a lifetime commitment that has passion behind it. It has vision behind it. Uh, it's, it is a lot tougher, I think. I don't know. Am I wrong here, Pat? Yeah. Dale, what do you guys think? Is it tougher to live for a cause or die? It's tougher to live for a cause. Yeah, I I'd think. agree with that as well. A lot tougher to live for a cause. It would be easier just to stay home and chillax and yeah. watch Netflix than to well, go out and do the noble thing that, and then later on see the, the impact on lives. Well, and you know, that's really what's really interesting. A guy named Tony Campolo once said, instead of praying, if I die before I wake, we should pray, if I wake before I die. And I think that our country is full of dead men with pulses. Yeah. They're already great. dead. They're faceless. They're nameless. They're anonymous. They are, have no purpose. They live in a rut, which the only difference between a rut and a grave is the size of the hole. And so to live for something is, I really appreciate answering. Would you rather, or no, would you rather live your life over again in the past or live it in the future? In the past, I think. Really? How come? Um, I think because of the knowledge that I have about life today versus what I knew as a, as a young person. Mm. I could go back and... Uh, I don't want to say set myself up, but like, you know, like make better choices from what I made in the first time around. Yeah. That makes, that makes no, sense. That, that totally makes sense. One of the things we tell young men is, Hey guys, life is way more serious than you think when you're younger. So the yeah. decisions that you make when you're young, you will continue to reap those consequent, those choices throughout life. You know, right. the sins that you celebrate in your youth will be the, the sins you struggle with as an adult. Uh, you know, um, your your stuff, as a young man, we don't realize that our consequences do not end when we stop uh, investing in that lifestyle, but they continue to go on, whether that's the form of a memory or a person that you've wounded or an addiction that you've obtained or some kind of bondage that you have, uh, they continue. So it's right. it's really important to get our get our stuff nailed when we're young. So we exactly. Don't, yeah, that's really good, man. So. I Tell the kids I work with a lot of times I'm trying to explain to them, like, you want to stand on the shoulders of the men that went before you to learn from them rather than make the same mistakes. That they yeah, there's a country song out there, and he says, how can I be old and wise if I'm not young and crazy? And I'm like, that's the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. 
Yeah. What kind of idiot would sing that song and really think it's truth? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's way better to be young and wise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to, to, to make those wise investments. So that's really good, man. So, all right, last one. If you uh, Would you rather continue with your life or start it all over again? I'd rather continue at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, I hear you. I, I really don't want to go back to school, you know, and all that. It's just a long haul through uh, school. So, all right, man. So, hey, we're going to get into this morning's interview questions. And, and uh, I, the first thing before we start, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so our listeners can kind of hear your heart, your story, things you enjoy, hobbies, anything else you'd like to. Oh, you know what? Have I? Oh, I did read it. Never mind. I was like, did I, did I read your bio? Just, anyway, so tell us more about your story, man. Well, um, I, I'll i go back as far as, as I can remember. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, I was uh, one of the couple white kids on the east side of town and uh, went to and moved around a lot when I was young. Mom and dad, uh, obviously, they split up when I was young. I was probably the... Uh, part of the Gen X generation, so probably would be considered the, the first generation of fatherless boys. And uh, definitely did the latchkey thing and uh, just really, really um, was kind of on my own most of my growing up years. And uh, my, mo- my mother, though she was in the home, she was preoccupied with her own agenda and things that she needed to work on. Um, left me and my brothers pretty much uh, to our own devices and uh, as I got older, went through college and all that stuff, I um, really looked to other men for leadership, especially in scouting. That was what really drew me to scouting. I mean, at the time, I didn't necessarily know that's what it was, but, you know, uh, I enjoyed hanging out with, with the scoutmasters and the guys who wanted to spend some time with me. In fact, um, I really appreciate my scoutmaster uh, because – even though his kids quit scouting, like his kids weren't interested anymore, he stuck around until I was 18 and was able to finish up my Eagle and, and move on. Uh, and so it was just he and I, you know, from our original group for, you know, a couple of years after his, both of his kids decided to, to uh, find other activities. Wow. Uh, so I thought that, I mean, looking back on things like that, I've been wrestling since I was a, a really young kid and, uh, Went through high school wrestling. Um, I was in a car accident and broke two vertebrae in my neck. Uh, well, actually, it was cracked th- three. One was broken completely in half, and the other two were cracked. Um, and that kind of um, ended any future wrestling career I had for collegiate level. So um, I kind of wandered around for about a year or two trying to figure out what to do next. You know, started playing guitar a lot and I traveled with some gospel choirs and played a lot of house of blues and stuff like that with on the Sunday morning brunches. And then, uh, went to a college that I just drove by all the time, stopped in and applied for a bunch of scholarships, got almost a completely full ride my freshman year and, uh, studied theology and Christian education. When I was in school, my roommate was a professional wrestler. Um, and I went to watch him at a show and, uh, I was standing in line waiting to get in the door and one of the other wrestlers walked out and saw me and smacked me on the chest really hard and said, you're big, you should wrestle and handed me his card. And I was dumb enough to call it <laughs> mm-hmm. and started training. And then uh, post-college, I, I worked for Youth for Christ in Metro Chicago for a little while and then um, be, 
because of a death there uh, and some other things that happened. I, I didn't really – a lot of funding. It was a, it's, a, it's a parachurch-type organization, so they had a fundraiser who worked from, worked with me who passed away, and then they never hired somebody else, so I had no idea how to fundraise in my 20s. And so I just started wrestling more, and my wrestling career took off and started traveling everywhere and just did that um, for a long time. And uh, the Lord used me in that in that uh, arena, but mainly because I was a bad guy most of the time, so I wasn't really, you know, I was one of the bad guys because I was bigger and uglier than most. So <laughs> it allowed me to, to, to really thrive at that. But uh, behind the scenes, a lot of the, the wrestlers um, – I would talk with them about life and their families and just kind of uh, give testimony and things like that and just, you know, help them as they came to me with, with life issues. So, and did that, I did, I was a wrestler for 20 years. I retired. Holy cow. Um, uh, and, um, like you guys were talking, you know, uh, when we were talking about wrestling and, you know, what the, the amount of damage it does to your body, my last match, um, I couldn't walk for two days after that last match. Wow. I had to sit in a chair and, and wait for my body to heal so that way I could start moving around. Um, broke both my feet in that last match doing a backflip off the top rope. Uh, Hold on. And, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Stop. You're basically close to your 6'4", about 300 pounds at the time, right? How, what did you yeah. weigh at the time? And you're doing a backflip off the top rope? Yeah. Wow. Huh. They called him moonsault. <laughs> huh. So, so. so yeah. This was enough. So, as a professional wrestler, you were able to support yourself as a career type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I I was one of the one of the guys who treated it like a business and was able to uh, to generate income off of it and live. I mean, one of the ways that I was able to do that was just you know also get to where my cost of living was really low. You know, so one of the things that I didn't have a lot of debt other than college didn't do credit cards and things like that. So, um, just paid for stuff with cash when I had the money for it. And so what was the biggest venue that you wrestled under? Um, all state arena. And, uh, I forget what the, the, the arena is called in, uh, Indianapolis. So, gosh, so 20 years. So, so when we pulled you up, so professional wrestler, we, we did, we didn't realize what that, we weren't sure what that meant. Yeah. So it's similar to World Wrestling Entertainment WWE. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're so is it so it is it are the moves scripted? Um It depends on where you're at. That's a, that's a hard question cuz obviously in WWE there's a lot more scripting that goes on than other places. Um mainly because, you know, there there's much more at risk, I guess you could say, you know, with with their crowds and things of that nature. So a lot of everything that they do is very scripted. Um, a lot of the, the independents aren't as much. Um, you don't see it happen as much as you used to when I first was doing this back in the you know late 90s where um, guys would, you know, they, they'd what they call shoot wrestle you. They'd try to attack you in the ring to get over on your name so that way they could promote themselves. And um, that doesn't happen rarely at all anymore. Um, but they, that used to be something that would happen back back in the you know late '90s, early 2000s, and even before. Um, but you know, it, it's very. People ask me all the time, like you know, th- th- saying that wrestling is the, the F word is what we call it. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I almost <laughs> uh, used that word, but I was like, it's really not because we've what no. you guys were doing was very very yeah. skilled. 
Right. And, you know, a lot of, you know, we would say it's, it's definitely an exhibition, not a competition. Yeah. Um, it's about the storylines and, and, uh, following the, the, uh, the drama along with the, the it's, it's kind of like theater in the round, like what you'd think of like old, yeah. uh, you know, old school theater where, you know, people sat around the theater rather than a stage and looking out. And, uh, it's a lot of his athletic competition and, you know, um, all the things that we do are, it's safe, but it's difficult on your body. And like, you know, people ask me all the time about tables and chairs and all that stuff. They're real tables, they're real chairs, they're real ladders, the same stuff you buy at the hardware store. Um, you know, wow. when you get hit in the head, it hurts. <laughs> wow. You know? Well, smokes. so, so do you know before a match who's going to win is, I mean, how far do they, how, how far do they script it out? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not giving away any secrets. I mean, Vince McMahon pulled the curtain back a long time ago, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's usually script, it's scripted out it's, it, for the most part. Sometimes it can be just a one-off that night. Other times it can be like, you have this long story that you're going to do for a year. Like before I retired, I had a year long story that was going on. So it, it went on from, you know, week to week to week to week and, uh, kind of culminated with me, um, having a championship match at the end of my career. So, wow. Well, what isn't scripted is that you were a uh, YFC staff and, and I was actually became a Christian through campus life and was okay. an area director for five years. So were you an executive director when you talked about fundraising or no, you... I was a life director. I worked on okay. the South side of Chicago. This was straight out of college. Um, I, 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 and this is, I'd already started my wrestling career at this point okay. and my hair on the middle of my back and you know I look like a hippie I look like I look like a muscle-bound hippie is what I look like <laughs> oh man that's awesome and uh and uh I I had um the south suburbs of Chicago was where I was kind of stationed um but what they our executive director had a fundraising department and um a ministry department so they had a group of staff that just fo mainly focused on fundraising and the gentleman had done a decent job uh, to raise funds where we had enough for like a year and a half, but then he had a heart attack and passed away. And they met like right after I started, like right after I started. And then, uh, they never hired somebody to replace him. And so I didn't do any fundraising cause I didn't know I had to. <laughs> so now I went to, I got credentialed yeah. and I went to a two week school with a guy, two guys from Kankakee. Was yeah. that, were you in that area or different? No, I was, um, I was North of Kankakee. Um, so you yeah, the credentialing, I did that at, uh, Huntington university in Indiana. Oh, we were in Reed, I think Regis in Colorado or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember, yeah so. over the place. But, um, no, I was, uh, I was in like Oak Lawn area, like okay. district 15. uh, the schools I, I was kind of overseeing was, um, Richards high school, uh, Blue Island high school. I forget what that one's called. I think Eisenhower maybe. And then there was, uh, Carl Sandburg. And then there was one more in that school district that I forget what, what it is now, but. Um, and I, you know, I just would go to those different schools and meet kids at those different schools and, totally. and do, uh, do events and things like that. Well, now you, you are now involved with cross trail outfitters and yes. that's where you and I met now. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I really, I'm curious about this. Can you explain the mission of cross trail outfitters and, and, uh, you're the state director. How did you get involved and what is the mission and why are you so passionate about it? Well, um, the mission is guiding the next generation to Christ through the outdoors. Um, and, uh, we do that by building men, preserving our heritage and sharing our faith. And what happened was I felt in 2009 ish, 
that the Lord was calling me back into ministry from professional wrestling. Um, I really felt that he was calling me to something new and different. And I remember speaking to my wife about it. We'd been married for about two years and, and, uh, and I, uh, was looking on a website that has to do with youth ministry and stuff like that. I used to go to when I was at campus life all the time, just to come and get up ideas and stuff. And I saw a little ad in the bottom corner for cross trail outfitters. And it had those three things, building men, preserving our heritage and sharing our faith. And those three things were things that I was, I was very excited about. I always liked, you know, talking about building men and things of that nature through uh, my scouting and, and some business associates and things of that nature. And then the preserving our heritage, I, you know, I, I think that uh, revisionist, revisionist history is destroying part of our culture and our, uh, and what actually, like what was the truth versus what's being taught now, as well as, um, you know, um, then the sharing our faith part was just something I was always excited about. You know, I, I uh, went through the, you know, becoming a contagious Christian curriculum when I was younger you know, kind of con- that connected me really well, and I was very, very much about talking about who Jesus was. So those three, those three cornerstones were very important to me. So I decided to call Cross Trail Outfitters, and I talked to the gentleman who, at the time, was running the organization nationally, and he was coming through Illinois to go to a fam- visit some family in another state. So I said, "Let's meet." We met, and then uh, he and I, you know, I really, I really liked the the, the idea of what the program was and all that stuff. So he and I kept in touch, and over that we were we kept in touch for over a year. As I was praying about it, and he was sending me information from different families who were requesting CTO uh, to be here in Illinois. And then um, one day I was at work, and I you know at at the job, <laughs> and uh, was talking to my wife. I was like, you know, I really feel like when I get home, I'm going to contact Mike. I feel like he. Uh, I, the Lord's pushing me to, to contact him to move forward and get started. And this is like a year later. And then, uh, so I get home and he's, he'd already emailed me, um, telling me that there was, uh, this is before smartphones and you, you know, you didn't have email right to you. Yeah. But, uh, he, he, um, told me about a calling camp they were doing in North Carolina and said, if you're interested, let's come to North Carolina. So I did. And I really felt like the Lord was really working, uh, and calling me to this ministry at, after that event, even more, came home, told my wife about what we thought, and then, uh, you know, just, just uh, went, oh, told her what, you know, and, and we prayed about it some more, and then we went to a commissioning camp, and just felt like this is where the Lord had called me to, so came home in November of 2010 and started working on starting uh, the Illinois Cross Trail Outfitters. Uh, we did that and just been doing it ever since. And this is the, you know, and now we've grown and our, our state has grown as well as our organization has grown. Um, we're no longer just a little ministry. We've kind of become a national ministry in that we're in 10 states now and we have 36 chapters and growing throughout the, the United States. Um, so we're just a lot of Lord's been blessing us a lot and kind of giving us an opportunity to to really reach out and, and create a larger footprint for uh, for our ministry. Well, that's cool. I'm, I have some more questions about a uh, cross trail, but we're going to take a break 
and okay. hear from the sponsor of this show. And we'll be right back, Eric. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called the Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card. Five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. Okay, hey, so we're back. And so, Eric, so Cross Trail. So I want to get back to the three components of Cross Trail Outfitters. But for right now, what I want to do is I want to ask you, what what does Cross Trail do? Now, you and I have had this conversation when we were in Springfield, but what exactly do you do and uh, what age group are you working with? Well, we work with boys ages 7 to 20, uh, and then we kind of graduate them at 21. Um, we teach these young men how to be men. We teach these boys how to be men. We do that um, through a common interest of hunting and fishing and spending time with them uh, on a weekly basis, kind of melding our lives together. And then uh, we do, for those who are really interested in pursuing um, their Christian manhood, we have our, we call it Trail of the Guide, which is our path to Christian manhood. So, so are you familiar with Ray Howell and Kicking Bear? Yeah, Ray and I are very good friends. Okay, so I, I we had Ray on our on our podcast a couple months back, and mm-hmm. I and so Kicking Bear does uh, events, and then they work with boys and girls, and they sounds like there is a hunting component. How are you guys uh, besides boys only? How else are you different than Kicking Bear? Um, we we do. Uh, I don't know how to explain this. We we provide weekend and summer camp hunts and fishing trips that uh, are year round. Our year round program. They have a very. I mean, our programs are very similar. Don't get me wrong. Big difference is that they're co-ed and we're a boys ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do is we do smaller, more intentional events. So, like for example, if you go to a kicking bear event, you might have 30, 40, 50, 60 kids there. Where with us, you're going to see six to twelve kids. Um, we try to be small on purpose so that there's a relationship built, and we're we're infiltrating the lives. We're being very intentional with the kids we're working with. Um, a lot of the kids we're working with are um, they they're they, they're the fatherless, you know that that have uh, no relationship or very little relationship with their kids uh, with a lot of the kids we're working with, and. Um, we're kind of standing in that gap for them, you know. Well, now if, when I you you bought our entire curriculum set at our last uh, meeting, and what yes. I I thought you also have some kind of 
backpack trip or camp out deal where the kids are spending the night in a controlled environment with you guys? That's the outings. Yeah. That's okay. The hunt- we will, hunting trips usually start on a Friday night and we'll go to Sunday. Um, depending on the time of year, we might be able to add some more. Our summer camps are a week long, same difference. Um, and the reason, yeah, we, we, I bought your curriculum so I could use it for some of those types of events. All right. Well, you have to send me some pictures when you uh, use it at those events so we can post it on Facebook and celebrate it. So get on the yeah. ball bear. Don't make me wrestle you down, baby. Come on now. Okay. <laughs> so, so you said something early on, on the podcast that really resonated with me, Eric. I'm, I like yourself and the product of a divorce. So mm-hmm. my parents were divorced when I was 13. Sounds like you were younger. Yeah, my parents divorced when I was like two. So the difference between my dad and your dad, it sound my dad when the divorce occurred, he engaged us even more so um, mm-hmm. because now he wasn't in the house and he's almost uh, too engaged. Even today at seventy six, he really I had him on my podcast uh, about a year and a half ago. He really wrote the book on being engaged with your kids, but. But it sounds like your dad did the opposite because you said that you were raised fatherless, that you yeah. said that. So so what happened? You were two years old and you were raised fatherless. Where the heck is your dad at this point? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really? You don't know? Okay, I talk know to me. Now, but like at that time, I didn't know where he'd gone to. I didn't know. He was, my understanding, and this is, and I've never really, I don't talk to him that much. He and I don't have a relationship really. Um, he lives in Arizona now, and uh, but um, he left my mother, and I kind of took over the role of, of protecting my brothers. Uh, and then um, I we saw him. I could probably count on one hand how many times I saw him from the time I was uh, that young kid until I was in high school. Do you call him Dad or Bob? What's his name? I don't even know his name. I don't even care what his name is because he's anonymous, <laughs> right? So uh, I'm. Call him by his first name when I speak with him. So he's yeah. not your dad. Did a stepfather come into the picture that you called dad? No, my grandfather kind of stepped in, and then I had the scoutmaster. And scoutmaster's name was John. And my grandfather stepped in and kind of really uh, cared for me. And that's where I see that we're having even more so an issue now today is that we're, we're Generation Z, which is, the you know, you got Generation X, which was me, Generation Y, which is now what they call the millennials. Yep. And then Generation Z is the third generation of fatherlessness. Um, so where me, I had the advantage of my grandfather stepping in to fill that role because he, you know, he was a, he was part of the greatest generation. Yeah. You know, he was war two. And then you had the, you know, the baby boomers were our parents. Um, so I'm seeing where now that this generation Z, you got two levels of you either have one millennial dads who don't know how to be dads because they didn't have dad yeah. around. And now this generation, you have, if, if dad's not there and there's no granddad to step in because the, the, the families have been broken for three generations now. Yeah, the, so, gen, the gen Xers had a grandpa, but the gen yeah. Zers have nobody. So, nobody. But, but now you, 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 your story is, I, I love your story because you have a, well, I don't love the part about your dad not being a picture, but your grandpa stepped in, stepped up, and then yeah. you were a scout and your scout master's kids left the program, and he stepped in and stepped up, John, who really yeah. became a hero to you. 
because yeah. you're walking in his footsteps right now with uh, cross trail outfitters. Am I am I close to this? Am I close here? Am I getting close? Yeah, yeah, you are very close. So is that. John still in your life? No, um, he he came to my wedding, but we and you know we're friends on Facebook and we connect now and again. But uh, for the most part, I think he was there for a season, and then as I you know went into my twenties and later, uh, just we set like just fell apart i guess you could say um but he came to my wedding and 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 uh, saw my bride and <laughs> that was 2008 so so does he does he know eric does he know the impact he's had on your life um i've told him and i i know that my best friend has told him so i don't know i don't know what his thoughts are on it um but i you know we let him know i mean i've let him know that he he was a very important part of my life growing up. So yeah, that that I think that those people, those heroes in our life, we need to really acknowledge them. So you said earlier in the podcast that you were raised by a single mom who was preoccupied with managing the household, right? Well, she was preoccupied with herself. <laughs> well, which could be dating, yeah, a, a job. It could be selfish immaturity, right? I mean. All of those things, but you were left nonetheless to parent your younger siblings. Correct. So, statistically, we know, and I'm sure that you quote this same same statistic, that 50% of children of divorce. So, if you take a, a number, 100% of marriages, over 50% of those will divorce, and then of those 50%, half of half of that 50% will not see their dad for an entire year. Yeah. Statistically. So so is it safe to say that a divorce from a wife is almost the same as divorcing the children? I would say half the time. I would say half the time and there's there's other factors involved with that as well. Um that I don't know if you really want me to get into that on your podcast here, but you know, our our there's a system in place through our social security administration that encourages attorneys and social workers to um, to eliminate the role of father as much as possible during a divorce so that way they can get the most amount of money for the child uh, child support. And then um, the state then gets awarded a dollar-for-dollar dollar match on that from the federal government. Okay, so is this fake news or real? No, this is... Uh, Title four D of okay, so so talk to me. Th- I'm I'm not saying that to get you on the defensive. I totally believe you. <laughs> it's completely appalling. Can you explain it again? Is this just Illinois or is this a federal thing? Um, it's federally. Um, what? It's, wow. it's, it's, Can you believe this? With government, where there was probably a good intention as to why it began, but then it's been abused and le- and people have figured out how to work the system to benefit for themselves. So, for example, you have if you ever notice in today's day and age, you might have a mother and father who both um, who are, in, are are getting a divorce, but that father was a great dad. But then all of a sudden, during the divorce proceedings, he becomes this evil tyrant that is not uh, safe to be around. See it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're and they're, they're happens, vilified. Right. They're vilified, and the reason why they do this is because then a judge will award the least amount of child time with that father which would give him the greatest amount of child support he has to pay into the system. Okay. Now the way that the title four D works to our social security administration is the state for collecting that money gets 
dollar-for-dollar matches from the federal government, and that money that they get from the federal government does not have to go towards the youth program that they're doing. It can go for any other social service they want it to. So for every dollar that the state collects through Social Security, or I mean through the child support system, they're getting a dollar-for-dollar match from the federal government that they can pretty much use for whatever they want. Now, some states, and mine is not one, (laughs) some states have to figure out what people are doing and have you know, put earmarks on that that money can only be spent for certain programs, but that's not the norm. You know, that's very rare. So fatherlessness post-divorce is big big business and is under attack, Yeah, which makes organizations like Cross Trail Outfitters and the Great Hunt for God Man Card podcast so desperately needed in this world. Man, I did not realize that, Eric. I really appreciate you sharing that truth. And that, that's not a we're not we don't like to be political around here, but I don't think we're talking politics, we're talking truth. No. And the right. truth is that manhood is under attack. Mm-hmm. And the truth is is that fatherhood is under attack. Mm-hmm. And 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 we you, we can either sit back uh, and go, "Hey, we want to help men," or we can say, "We've got a problem in our society. We've got a problem yeah. problem with government uh uh agencies or government uh, mandates that are set up for the good of the people, but have been manipulated, and we have to speak out against this stuff. And so, this is a—I really appreciate that, man. So, I want to—I want to go back to Kicking Bear, or not Kicking Bear? Gosh, we started talking about Ray Howe. I want to go back to Cross Trail Outfitters. I want to yeah. talk about three things because I really love what you guys are doing. I love what you guys stand for, and I love that you bought our curriculum and you're using it in your first component, which is building men. So your first of three, basically, vision components of your of your organization, the first one is building men. So you're starting with boys, 7 to 20, but you're building men. So can you explain to me why why that statement and then what you actually are doing systematically to build men yeah beyond the hunting and the camping right well that's where we kind of like meld our lives together i guess you kind of say like here's an example for you of of, um just the natural progression that happens when i first began with cto i had a couple of kids went to summer camp with me they came home they told their friends the next weekend i have 15 kids standing on my doorstep wanting me to take them hunting (laughs) and then after that is I build relationships with some of those boys and then they're coming to our house for dinners. They come, I mean, they just stop by five o'clock. Hey bear, what are you eating? I'm having this for dinner. Can we come in and eat? Yeah, come on. <laughs> you know, and we, we, we have this lifelong relationship from the time that they're a child till the time that they are, you know, post high school, college and even beyond. And, uh, we're just walking life with them. I take them with, with me to do different things throughout life whether it be shopping or, you know, they just see us. They see how we treat our wives. They see how we treat people in public and things like that. But then there's also the intentional part, which is our path to Christian manhood, which is a combination of lessons and ceremonies that allow them to um, to take that next step in their journey to manhood. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, read Raising a Modern Day Knight. Ray uh, Lewis, Randy, Robert yeah. Lewis, of course I've read it. I, I've copied it. Yeah, <laughs> so we 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 have something similar to that where we've created this the, where we have these ceremonies. Like at, at the end of every one of our summer camps, we do a, a campfire ceremony where we give the young man um, an antler ring from a shed that was found on that property, 
And the purpose of that antler ring is to remind them of the decisions that they made at camp. So that way they take those decisions home with them and not leave those at the gate of the camp. Well, I've got, we've got a mutual friend who makes those rings. You're not, you're not going through rustic in Maine with Mike Yarbrough, are you? No, I go find the, uh, uh, I go find one out on the field and then I cut it up myself. Oh, cause this guy makes them professionally. So yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. You make them yourself. Yeah, I'll just use a bandsaw and and uh, I find a I'll find a shed walking around the woods. Yeah, I'm trying to find a dog that finds them a lot faster because they can usually find them faster. Yeah. Than I. You don't don't get a cat; they won't help you. No. So 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 okay. I love this. And you said ceremony. You talked about Robert Lewis in his book, The Raising of a Modern Day Knight. I used his yeah. material on my three sons. What you're really talking about, and which you didn't use the words, but you're talking about a rite of passage. Yeah. Where you're saying, "Hey, you are now a man." You're going to be treated like a man. How, how do you, what does that rite of passage look like besides the ring? That's kind of the climax of the night, right? Yeah. Um, it's mainly just like going through the, going through the lessons and like helping them understand like some of the things we teach the boys, like how do you treat women? You know, a lot of, and we're, we're, we're looking to even revamp a lot of our program this summer um, because we've discovered through some different, uh, information that that kids are seeing pornography at younger ages than what we initially thought so um we're thinking instead of going from 13 to start talking about how to treat women maybe going down to 10 just Mm. because that's where uh they're starting to see their first images of of pornography at that age with the help of the wonderful internet um (laughs) so that might be a that you know that's that's part of what we do um about what it means to uh, live a successful life, like live the unlived life is, is what we call it, you know, yeah. where this is the life you live, this is where you want to be, how do you get there, what's the path you need to take to get there, um, what are some things that can hold you up, like fear, uh, addictions, um, I think, uh, people telling you you can't, <laughs> and God telling you that you're called to do. Well, you, you, guys are, you guys are dealing with issues that 20 years ago would have been for high school students, but but these young boys who are growing up without a father, they're almost put back, and they're they're engaging in these negative behaviors earlier on. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a that's that's interesting. Wow. Because there's not anyone there to 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 guard their their innocence. You know, that's that's one of the things that you know I do a lot of studying on what the importance of fathers and things like that and. And one of the things that dads have dads do is they protect, you know, that moms can do it as well. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. that's one of the roles of fathers to protect and to, to kind of, you know, help guide and, and keep the kids from being exposed to things long before they ever need to be. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's gateways today that, and left unchecked, it's easy for their, they're, they're very easy to access. Um, and we see that with a lot of the kids. Like, you know, if you look at what's happened with our culture today with, with boys, you know, the, the being disengaged from their father, you get two types of men. And one is the one who withers, and then the other one is the one who wanders. Mm. The one who withers is the, is the boy who gives up and retreats back into himself, into the virtual world of video games and things. That people, you know, I'm not saying video games are good or bad or anything. I don't play video games because I don't find them interesting. But when they retreat into those video games, into that fantasy world and they live in that fantasy world because that's where they can be a man where in this outside world, they can't, you know, they don't know how to be. Yeah. They 
that's they're, they're in that fantasy world they're accomplishing things but they're not really accomplishing things out in the real world so they 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 their failure to launch they want to live in the basement they they want to just kind of be like you know that's the withering man the wandering man is the guy who doesn't know what manhood is or learns from manhood either by politics or or media or things of that nature and they get this skewed idea of what manhood is and that's where we see at the at the far end of that is where we see this violence that comes from these boys. Mm-hmm. If you look at these mass shootings that have happened over the years, even the older gentleman who, you know, was in Vegas, there was a, the two thing that, well, the, the one key ingredient is that they're all fatherless. Yeah. All oh yeah. Yeah. And that's when we have this wandering man, it's like, you know, when you have things like, and believe me, I, I, I'm a professional wrestler. I know that I could have perpetrated this stereotype, but the idea of the fighting and the UFC and all that stuff, those are all good sports, but outside of the sport, that's what kids see. And the, the media is telling them that they're, that they're toxic and that they're, you know, that, that the things that come that they feel naturally is wrong and they shouldn't be feeling these things. And then they look to their friends for, for guidance and they all, you know, they all just falter because there's not someone there to guide them to, to something better. Well, you know? and you said this without saying it, but you know, a single mom can raise their kid. She can raise her kids, but it takes a man to build a man. Correct. And what you are saying is we're going to step in and take that father role. So I love that building men. The second component of your vision is preserving our heritage. Now I, I, hey, I'm curious. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the one thing that I've found doing CTO is that moms for the most part want someone like us in their son's lives because they know their limitations. Mom. And a lot of, you know, you won't hear about that in the media, but to, but moms who really want have a heart for their sons want to find a man to, that will build into their son's life to help him, to help usher him into manhood because you know, that they know that it's necessary. No, they're not, not only do they want but they're begging, they're begging exactly. for men to come into their. So now, uh, hey, so I want to go back to this number two, preserving our heritage. So, is this American heritage? Is this a heritage of manhood? Is this the outdoor heritage? What What are you working on here when you say we're gonna pre- we're preserving our heritage? It's kind of twofold. A lot of it has to do with our outdoor heritage. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but hunting and fishing and being outdoors is. Um, is kind of in danger. Yeah. Uh, I just was actually speaking to uh, a group of about 400 people at the R3 symposium. Uh, R3 is a hunting thing about recruiting, retaining, and, and reactivating people into the outdoors. And just talking about how, because, you know, a lot of our parks, um, natural areas that are that are kept up by the state and things like that, all that's paid for through hunting and fishing and things of that nature. And with, as that decline is happening of people who are interested in those activities. So is the funds needed to preserve those things like your park district, uh, like, you know, your deer sanctuaries and stuff like that mm-hmm. throughout the nation, federal parks, things like that. So, uh, they're talking about that. And so part of that is that preserving our heritage is that is, is helping, um, with the, the hunting and fishing side of the world. The other side of it is, um, is our American heritage. You know, a lot of kids, teachers today, historians, people who teach history, don't even know there were 250 founding fathers. Have no idea. They think there was like five. Yeah. The big five. That's all they know about. Yeah. They don't know 
rest of them. They don't know about what the documents originally meant. They don't know uh, why they were written the way they were written and what the, what the background was. You know, Because when you're reading something from history, you know this with studying Scripture as well, is you have to go back and look at what the Scripture or what the document originally meant to the people it was originally written to before you can interpret it for what it means for us today. And if you don't do that, uh, that exegesis on figuring out, okay, what is it that these documents meant? Why did they write them? What were, the, what was this, what were these people going through at the time that this was written, so that we can understand what the true meaning of that document meant? How are we supposed to interpret it for us today? And that's, you know, that's that's probably one of the big things. One of the big things I hear about the, uh, you know, with the Second Amendment, uh, you know, is people will. It, what was what it meant for today doesn't mean for today, or what it means today doesn't necessarily mean what it meant for back then. And people don't understand what it actually yeah. originally meant. They think it has to do with hunting and fishing sometimes, and it just boggles my mind how um, how much people don't know about you know who the founding fathers were, how many of them were, what their backgrounds were, what types of things they said. This whole idea of separation of church and state and how it's supposedly part of our founding documents—it's not part of our founding documents. It was a letter written to a preacher from Thomas Jefferson, letting that preacher know that this, we weren't going to set up a national church like they had done over in uh, Europe. Yeah, That was the big issue with a lot of Europe and why people came here to America was because of the nation churches. It's because the churches and, the, and the, the monarchies were one, and they worked together to suppress people, and that's what they were worried about. It wasn't about, well, we can't have your religion in our, in our politics. That's not what it was about at all, but that's what we make it today because yeah. we don't and what it was back then, yeah, and what they were fighting for. Yeah, there's been a massive shift. So so your third component, and we're running short on time here, okay. but I want to talk about, I, I, first of all, I want to say I really appreciate the progressive verb tense, uh, building, preserving, sharing. This is a daily thing. This is not something you do once. This is not an event. It's a process. So sharing your faith. Why is, why is faith so important in building young men? Because it gives them um, understanding that there's someone out there who loves them, that God loves them, Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them. And that even though, even though people might tell them that they're good or they're bad or there's this, and there's so much negativity for these kids today in the bullying and everything else that goes on. We teach these kids that the person who matters is Jesus. And his opinion, opinion of you is what matters. And having faith in Him as your leader and as your Savior and as the Lord of your life, that's what matters. And every, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Johnny's opinion of you is not more important than Jesus' opinion of you. Mm. And Jesus loves you. And you need to know that, that Jesus loves you so much He died for you. And his, what, do you, what is His opinion of you? And His opinion of you is even more important than your opinion of yourself. Oh, that's so good. Yes, absolutely. And just helping them understand who that who Jesus is and what he did and the whole the whole the whole of Jesus, not just you know the the little stories that they've heard at Sunday school, but like who really is Jesus and what kind of man was he? And these are the traits that he had, and these are the traits that we're trying to teach you about. Well, especially with a young boy with a divorce, his dad's not in the picture. He's got a lot of questions. Why did you leave me? Where right. what did I do wrong? And so we you come along with faith and the story of Christ and say, hey. Here's how, how awesome God thinks you are. 
He would never leave you. He would never forsake you. He would never abandon you. He would give his life for you, unlike your worldly father. So that's really good, man. So, hey, last question I have for you. So the Man Card podcast uh, just finished a book called The Man Card, and we we do seminars all around the country dealing with this man card issue. We believe the man card is five things. Again, same progressive tense of the verb that you guys use, but protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. Of those five, Eric, which one resonates with you the most and why? Probably leading courageously. Um, Because I feel that that's what my all is with these young men. Um, I would say number two be fighting apathy because... I'll tell you a story. If I got time real quick, we had a young man who kept telling me about how he wanted his father involved in his life. And I found out that his father lived less than five minutes before he lives. So I walked, I drove to the guy's house, got out of my truck, walk up to his door and knocked on his door and introduced myself and told him, your son wants a relationship with you. What are you going to do about it? And so far it's going pretty good. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's impressive, man. So not only did this guy uh, experience apathy as a man, but you all had to fight apathy and go into his house and confront him. Yeah. And calling him out of the bleachers and into the arena. So I appreciate that. Wow, that's that's awesome. Well, hey, Eric, thank you so much for coming on our show. It was cool to hear about Cross Trail Outfitters, uh, to weave your personal story into it, to actually meet a real-life pro wrestler. I love it. Uh, hey, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Man, I love it. So uh, I guess they can reach you guys at CrossTrailOutfitters.com, or what's the website? It's uh, TeamCTO.org, uh, which is like a sports team, and CTO is CrossTrailOutfitters.org. And then Find Your Club is the link you're going to look for at the top, and then just click on the state that you're in. If you're not in one of those states, just click on Illinois and get a hold of me, and then I'll get you plugged up with whoever you need to be plugged up with based on where you're at. Get online and wrestle the bear. Hey, guys, you've been listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you're ever going to do, but we have three simple steps to help you encourage your, to encourage yourself in this world-changing journey. First one is the word enlist. Download the free app. It has our messages, blogs, training videos, Bible app, life-changing links, gear page. Check that out. It's free for you. Also free for you is subscribing to the Man Card Podcast. You're already here. Subscribe. Write us a positive review. We'd be blessed. We'll send you some swag. And share our podcast with your friends. The third thing is join the Men in the Arena Close Facebook forum. This thing is blowing up 1,000 men a month, 9,000 men after eight months from around the world. Join men in a daily dialogue about what a man is and does. Second thing, guys, is this. Invest. Go to our gear page. Go to our app. Uh, 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 our app and our website and get our resources. Enlist in uh, building young men building guys in your community, building people in your friendship circle. Uh, Go invest in yourself because you need to be your best version if you're going to change your world. Get involved in championing the causes you care about. Get involved with Cross Trail Outfitters, the great hunt for God. Get involved with your church, your community. Get involved and champion these causes in your community. Become the change that you want to see, guys. Guys, join us in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it, Everyone wins. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. <laughs> Taste the sweet. Are you constipated? I don't what know. just happened it, it there? Felt like it. Did. You sound like like the Scrooge on like it the, did. or a pirate. Anyway, taste the sweetness of victory. <laughs> Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. man.
This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. Do you want to keep your man card? Then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode, The Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.